Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. Thanks, as always, to my Patreon sponsors. A special thank you to Steve, who joined as a patron this week. You'll find a link to my Patreon page in the show notes, or simply visit patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins to help keep the show on the road. If you're new to the podcast, welcome and buen camino. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, an ancient pilgrimage in Europe. The most common Camino is what's called the Francaise. It winds its way from St. Jean-Pierre de Port in France over the Pyrenees and then pretty much right across Spain from east to west. Pilgrims arrive in Santiago de Compostela, St. James under a field of stars, where the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred in a crypt beneath the cathedral in Plaza del Abra do Iro, which I think translates as the Plaza of the Workshop. I'm not surprised. Work began on the cathedral in 1075, and while the last stone was laid in 1122, it wasn't actually consecrated until almost 90 years later, in 1211. So, 136 years to build a shrine to house St James's remains. That's up there with Sydney renovations. (laughs) Time is such a wonderful consideration, isn't it? I'm certain the generations of workers who built the magnificent cathedral in Santiago de Compostela wondered what pilgrims and other visitors would make of it 100 years or perhaps even hundreds of years in the future. I saw a quote once from Michael Altsula, the motivational speaker, and I put it in my diary. I knew I'd use it one day. He said, the bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. I said at the end of last week's podcast, time flies when you're having fun. And it's true. I remember sitting with some Canadian pilgrims, wonderful gentlemen, at O Pedroso on the evening before we were due to arrive in Santiago. I think it was 2016. We were saying how we wished we could go back to start the Camino again, to have the time over. And it's a common theme. You realise your Camino is about to finish, or as we've discussed here many times, it's just beginning. But there's no denying the walking, the camaraderie, the town square meals, the slow pilgrimage across paths and roads, up and down hills, is about to be over. See, while walking the Camino, you are in many ways in charge of your own time. You can sit and chat with other pilgrims in a roadside cafe, under an umbrella, on green or red plastic chairs, in a little town. And who knows, that cafe may be in a building that's 500 years old. Castrojeras, for example, was established more than 1,100 years ago. Who knows what that village has seen? You can't imagine the passage of time, how many footsteps have rung out against that wall. Yet you can imagine how blessed you are to be there, to have the time, to take the time, to enjoy this moment in time. The bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. My guest this week is an artist who took the time to walk the Camino and took her paint and paintbrushes with her. Her name is Christina Kent, and she's on the line from the U.S. West Coast. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hi, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure. I want to paint a picture of you in this podcast. So let's start with a very simple question. Why do you paint? For me, um... Painting has been a really important part of my spiritual practice. Um, So for me, through painting, it's kind of like the way that I explore the world and understand the world. And it it wasn't always this way. So when I was younger, I painted more 
um, just to have a sense of mastery over something and to try to express myself. And I painted a lot from photographs that other people had taken. But um, over the past couple of years, I've started painting more from life or from my own photographs. And the more I started doing this, the more I started paying attention to the world around me because I was starting to look for beauty and look for um, just kind of pay more attention to my visual experience and what I was actually seeing rather than what I expected to see. Um, so for me, painting is a way to continue developing this ability and continuing to develop this attention to the world that I live in. Wow. How did art come into your life? Do you remember the day or, the, or, or the, the, that time in your life when you thought, I'm an artist, I'm going to be an artist, I want to be an artist? Well, I always liked drawing ever since I was really little. Um, I was inspired by cartoons and Disney movies and would just try to draw things from that or come up with things from my imagination. Um, but I think it wasn't until really until the pandemic started and I was really feeling a lot of burnout from the other work that I was doing and just kind of um, just feeling exhausted and um like something was missing that I realized that I needed to get back into having an art practice. And since I've started uh, painting again after that, I just, I've never looked back. I'm doing a lot of research at the moment into flow and the flow state or being in the zone, as they say. So I'd imagine you'd be able to find that flow state fairly easily when you paint. Yes, definitely. And especially the way that I paint, I think is particularly conducive for flow. So when I'm painting, I, I'm mostly a daily painter and I paint in an all la prima method, which means, and I'm, I, I do oil paintings. So um, traditionally, oil paintings take a very long time to dry and you have to paint multiple layers over many days or months or even years. But what I do is the all la prima method in which I'm laying wet paint onto wet paint and I'm not letting layers dry. So this means that I can finish a painting in a day or even just a few hours. And so what I do is I usually try to do um, one painting every day. And oftentimes I'll paint something um, that that is changing over time, like a still life with flowers where the flowers might be wilting. Or I'll go outside and paint plein air and the landscape, the lighting of the landscape is constantly changing. And so I really have this sense of urgency while I'm painting that I need to capture this particular lighting in this particular moment. And that sense of urgency, I think, really helps me get into a flow state. Wow, that's really interesting. Because my next question was, I imagine you have a vision in your head of what you eventually want to see. But does the painting itself sometimes end up dictating how the canvas shapes? And what you're saying is most definitely yes. Yes. Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I oftentimes set out to paint what's in front of me. So either I'll have a still life set up or I'll be out in the landscape or, um, or maybe I'll have a photo reference that I'm really interested in. And, and usually my goal is I, I think, okay, I'm going to try to paint what I'm seeing in front of me. But the funny thing is that the painting never turns out exactly like what I see in front of me. And at some point, somehow it, it shifts into something different. And I, I don't exactly know why. It's just I get carried along through the process. I guess it's once I get into this state of flow, there's a point where the painting sort of takes the reins mm. and then I'm just along for the ride. Oh, wow. Is one painting much more difficult than another? 
In terms of subject matter, well, or well, just just the process of beginning to end is is you do you sometimes think, gosh, that was really hard painting to do. Another one you think, oh, oh that was really easy. That just like was, I just, you know, I, that was a breeze. Yes, yes, um, yeah. You know, there are some days where the painting just. So, sometimes the painting is really, really hard and each brush stroke just feels like it's landing wrong and it just kind of feels like one mistake after another. Yeah. And then there are other days when, I, I don't remember where I exactly heard this term, but there's this idea of that art does not come from you, but it comes through you and we are kind of a vessel for these ideas. And some days I really feel like the painting just comes through me because it just flows so easily that it, it's almost effortless in a way. Um, I don't know what causes those, those differences. It's kind of, to me, it feels random whether the painting is easy or hard, but, um, but yeah, definitely there's a lot of variation. What about other influences, Christina, in life? You know, things like sound or atmosphere or the weather or even emotion, things like grief or joy or even love. How do those external influences manifest on the canvas? Yes, definitely um, music is really important to my painting practice. I almost always paint while listening to music and I feel like having music that has kind of a steady beat helps me get more into that flow state. I need something that's, that's upbeat, but not, not too intense. That's more just kind of um, a steady sound. And Mm. usually I like to express feelings of joy and positivity in my paintings, um, or maybe, maybe a feeling of like subtle nostalgia, but I usually really like to paint positive and beautiful things because that's, um, that's kind of what I want to focus on. Mm. Um, although sometimes I'll also paint more subtle emotions depending on how I'm feeling or, or what has inspired me that day. Yeah. I talked in the introduction about the cathedral in Santiago and it taking more than a hundred years to complete. I try to imagine the day someone, perhaps a bishop or a monsignor or even a cardinal said, eso es todo, sayate. That's it. It's done. <laughs> right? How do you know a painting? Yeah. How, how do you know a painting is done? Also a very good question. Um, usually my go-to answer is it's time for dinner. So <laughs> I <laughs> usually, yeah, I, um, I do my daily painting practice and I like to set a time limit for myself. So depending on how large the painting is, maybe I'll set a limit of like two or three hours, um, And uh, yeah, the other times there are just some other time constraints that I have to deal with. And having that time limit, um, I find it really forces me to focus on what is the essence of the painting that I want to make. Mm. How do I describe the essential aspects of my subject? Um, And how am I, how do I do it in a concise way that doesn't include a bunch of extraneous details that would be distracting to the viewer? So if I give myself all the time I want, then I can just paint for hours and hours and continue just fiddling with the painting. And I realize it actually doesn't make the painting that much better most of the time. So nowadays when I paint, I usually give myself this time limit and I'll only go past the time limit if I know exactly what the painting needs. So once the time limit, uh, once the, the time limit stops, I'll look at the painting and I'll think, okay, is, is something missing? And do I know what that thing is? And do I know exactly how to fix it? And if the answer is no, then I just leave it where it is. 
Do you ever look at paintings you've done sometime, perhaps even years later, and think, I think she'd look better with green eyes? Yeah, I do. I I do look back on some of my old work and... um, and sometimes I'm also tempted to repaint compositions mm. that I've done in the past. Yeah. So try it again. Yeah, maybe changing something up slightly, adjusting the color or the lighting. Um, so sometimes I'll see my old work and I'll think, oh yeah, I could have I could have done that better. Um, but but yeah, but usually I like to focus on um, on painting new sources of inspiration. I'd love to paint. My mother and my brother are artists, and so it's in my blood. But I. You, well, you'll never guess what my excuse is. I don't really have time. <laughs> I can hear, <laughs> right? I can hear Lao Cha saying to me, "Time is a created thing, Dan." To say you don't have time is to say I, I don't want to. But let's turn our attention to the Camino de Santiago. How did the Camino come into your life? Yeah. So um, my motivation for doing the Camino de Santiago was that I was just finishing up um, a very long and exhausting graduate program. And was kind of in this transition point in my life. I was going to start a full-time job. And I wanted something that would kind of mark the transition between those two things and give me a chance to rest and replenish myself and also kind of refill my creative well and find inspiration. And as I said, painting is a really important part of my spiritual practice. And nature is another really important thing for me. Um, so I wanted to do something that would combine both of those things. And I'd heard about the Camino from a friend of mine who's Spanish and he had done the Camino Primitivo and had told me that it was really beautiful. told me a lot about the trail. Um, he told me that a few years ago. So it was, it has been on my radar for a while. Um, and then once I had this opportunity to, to have a couple weeks off, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I particularly selected the Camino Primitivo because I wanted, I heard that uh, the Primitivo is a bit less traveled. So it would be um, less busy. I would have more time to myself, um, a little bit maybe quieter and more peaceful. And also I heard it was more rural than some of the other Caminos. So there would be a lot of uh, nice landscapes and countryside that I could paint. Um, and also it worked out that one close friend of mine was also going through a big life transition and she was able to get some time off too. She's also a painter. So, um, so it just worked out that we could, we could go on the trip together. Yeah. That was Amanda, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We'll, and we'll get to Amanda in, in a moment because hers is an interesting story too. But you mentioned there that you were drawn to the Camino as a way to fill the well, replenish your creativity. Why was the well dry and and now, some time after you finished the Camino, uh, is it still full? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, in my day-to-day work, I tend to do a lot of very um, analytical. I'm a researcher, so I do a lot of analytical thinking. and um, I don't have much room for beauty or emotion or intuition. Um, so I find it's really important for me to be able to kind of step out of that way of thinking and, um, and nature is a really great way to do that. And in particular, um, through nature, I just feel completely immersed in the beauty of the world. And to me, that's one of the best ways to find inspiration for paintings. Um, so that's what drove me to the Camino in the first place. And yeah, I'm happy to say now, even several weeks after having done the Camino, I'm still feeling so inspired from what I saw. And um, I probably took 
some days I think I took over a hundred photos of the landscape just so that I could keep that inspiration and then draw from it from four paintings for years to come. Yeah. I've never really done this before, but if any of my listeners uh, have perhaps the computer in front of them, they could go to www.christinakentart.com. And if you click on blog, you can scroll down and see some of the paintings that Christina did on the Camino. They're just little tiny snapshots, but they're beautiful. They're really beautiful. And, and you capture perfectly, really, the scenery and the, the energy and, and the atmosphere of, of what you're seeing. So if you're listening to me and, and you, you're sitting in the lounge chair or something and you want to have a look at the paintings while we're talking, ChristinaKentArt.com. You walked the Primitivo, you began in Asturias, and you wrote that the green vegetation was impossibly vibrant, saturated with the rain of early spring, and I enjoyed a sense of serenity, my mind suddenly empty of my usual giant list of to-dos and appointments. Now my task was simple, follow the trail until I reached my destination. So I imagine, Christina, life in San Francisco is a lot like life in Sydney. It's a big city, there's an energy here that's very difficult to escape. Mm -hmm. How hard was it to actually escape, to relax and allow yourself to find a simple task or, or following the trail to your destination? I felt like basically as soon as we started on the Camino, it was like a switch had, had flipped. And I, I felt there was, it was so easy to just switch into this mode of walking and hiking and enjoying nature. And I think just the landscape, as I was saying, is so conducive to that way of thinking and that way of experiencing the world. I mean, it's, it's definitely easy to feel uh, tense and, um, and this rush and this hurry when you're in a city and there's cars everywhere and people are walking quickly and you have so many things on your mind. Um, but as soon as we were walking out of Oviedo, and the buildings kind of fall away, the cars go away, and you just see some cows munching on grass. You see some farmers kind of walking to throw some bread to horses. Um, you smell all the smells of the farmland and the landscape. Um, I just found it, it was immediately I felt this sense of peace. Mm. Yeah. In your blog, you say, each day offered a visual feast. I felt as though there were paintings everywhere I looked. I loved the green hillsides with buildings speckled between them, arranged not according to a grid or suburban plan, but instead following the curves of the landscape. My body ached after long days of hiking. However, each evening as I sat down to paint, I felt the satisfying tiredness of a day well spent. So were you painting what you were seeing each evening or recalling something you'd seen earlier in the day? And perhaps even, as you said, 100 photographs, you were occasionally painting from your, your photographs. Yeah, it really depended on the day how the paintings would go. So I knew um, one, of the, one of the drawbacks of hiking the Camino Primitivo in April was that it would be very rainy while we were hiking. And oftentimes it's really hard to paint in the rain, not only because the rain itself can, can get on your canvas and whatnot, but, um, but also even if you're sheltered from the rain, the paint doesn't always dry, which makes it really hard to do a painting. Um, and so, so I kind of had this idea that, okay, maybe on some days I'll be able to paint outside in plein air. Um, and then other days I can paint from photographs in the evening. So a bit of both. If the weather was nice, if it wasn't too rainy and wasn't too cold, then I would try to take advantage of that and paint um, what we were seeing. Usually at, 
once we got to the town that we were staying in that night, I would, I would find a nice viewpoint around the town. Um, and then if it was too cold or too rainy, then I, I would just wait until that evening and then paint something from one of the photographs that I'd taken earlier that day. What did other pilgrims make of your paintings? Because I imagine you've got to sort of lean them against the stone wall in the albergue to dry. Oh, yeah. Um, There weren't that many other pilgrims on the route with us. Um, I think maybe there were around less than 10 people that we ran into on the Camino. Yeah, it was (laughs) most days while we were walking the Camino, we wouldn't run into anybody. And then it wasn't until we got to the albergues in the evening that we would meet a few other people. Um, But, but people were overwhelmingly supportive of the paintings and they were really excited um, to, to see my work. Tell us about walking in snow. Yeah, so that was something that was really unexpected. I knew that there would probably be a lot of rain, Um, but I did not see any snow on the forecast. And then I think it was, we were a few days in, we got to the town of Chineo, which is kind of up more in the mountains. And, um, we woke up one morning and it was just completely frigid outside and we started walking and there was a little bit of snow at first and then it started snowing very heavily. So, um, we were really surprised, but, um, but thankfully we brought enough warm gear. So we had our thick down jackets, um, that we were able to wear. And so we weren't too cold when we were walking, Um, and it was actually, I think overall it was nicer than the rain because, um, we didn't have to wear our ponchos and also it just put this beautiful dusting of white snow over the whole landscape. So it was, it was kind of like walking in a winter wonderland and it was really beautiful to see. Wow. And that was April. Yes, that was, it was the end of March, beginning of April. Right. Wow. I've talked to you many times about slow tourism, of having the time to really take in what you're seeing and feeling. And you were in Lugo and you wrote, I found myself drawn to the eclectic collection of overlapping shapes and colours of city rooftops, so different from the gridded cities in the United States. I also loved how the white walls of the buildings reflected the blue sky while in the shade. Do you ever not see what you're seeing as a painting? Oh, (laughs) good question. Um, I think it helps when what I'm seeing is very beautiful. Um, But I will say the more I've painted, the more beautiful things seem to be. So I think one of the benefits of paintings is that I notice more beauty around me. And so over time, I notice more and more paintings. But it definitely helps being in Spain, which um, I just think the European cities tend to be so beautiful and so unique and so different from what I'm used to seeing in the U.S. Yeah. that to me, everywhere I looked in Spain looked like a painting. Yeah, yeah, that's true, isn't it? It is a long way from Australia and Sydney too, I can tell you. <laughs> Actually, it was in Lugo that you realised you wouldn't have a chance to finish the Camino Primitivo. What was going through your mind? You wouldn't finish Yeah, so it was in Lugo. Um, My friend Amanda, her ankle has been swelling up and it really seemed like she had tendonitis. Um, So we were realizing that probably we wouldn't be able to continue on. And I was 
just thinking, you know, the point of this trip is to replenish and to find inspiration and um, to get to know Spain. And we'd already accomplished all of those things. So whether we could do the last few days and walk to Santiago, um, although it would have been really nice, it it wasn't it wasn't worth doing that if it meant that my friend would be in a lot of pain. So um, I think it was, we were disappointed that we weren't able to finish the walking because we would have really liked to do that. But overall, I think it was a good choice to um, let her rest her ankle. And then we could just, we could explore other places just by bus and still have a really good time. Was it an injury Amanda sustained on the Camino or was it a pre-existing condition or did it just emerge slowly as the walk progressed? Yeah, it emerged slowly as the walk progressed. Mm. I think, um, yeah, just with the heavy pack and the long days of walking, um, just put too much strain on the ankle. Did you do much preparation before you went? And Amanda, I wondered, had she walked much prior to leaving for Spain that this the injury may have emerged earlier? Yeah, um, we both did some preparation before leaving. We both really enjoy hiking, um, but we don't live in the same city. So Amanda lives in Houston, which is very flat, and I live in San Francisco, which has a lot of hills. So I think that worked in my benefit because I'm very used to running up and down hills um, on a regular basis. Um, so for me, I found the Camino Primitivo is very hilly. We're going up and down and around these mountain passes. Um, and I think that having that training of being, uh, being conditioned to do hills was really helpful. Yeah. It was in Lugo and, and after you had finished your Camino or, or realized your Camino was finished, that you challenged yourselves to simultaneously do portraits of each other. And it was really the first time in years that you'd drawn someone else's portrait from life. I find that really interesting. Yeah, it was it was fun. I think it was Amanda who suggested it um, because we'd just been drawing and painting the landscape so much and we thought it would be fun to paint something different. So, And not only that, but um, she's such a close friend of mine and I always find it to be such a nice experience to paint someone that I love and that I really care about. Um, because when you, I guess when you're painting or when you're drawing something, you're really paying so much attention to that thing or that person. And, um, and so I just, I find it really special when it's someone that I really care about because it's, I start to see that person in a way that I've never seen them before with this level of attention that I haven't seen. I I guess the painting someone's portrait as well is not just about capturing their image, it's perhaps more about capturing their energy, their personality, their vibe. Would that be a fair enough thing to say? Yeah, definitely. And I I think that there's just some connection that happens between the artist and the subject when someone is being painted and someone is painting the other person. And it was really cool to feel that connection. It's, it's kind of hard to describe, mm-hmm. um, but I think maybe it's what you're getting at with it's not just the way that they look, but it's also their energy. It's um, it's something bigger than than just their appearance, and and then to do that simultaneously, so to be both observed and observing at the same time was um, it was a really fun experience. Kind of strange, but um, but really exciting. Yeah, you wrote on the blog. Now back at home in San Francisco. 
I'm already missing our days walking the Camino. I long for the sights, sounds and smells of Asturias, the simplicity of each day, the quiet meditative walking and the evenings of painting and rest. So tell us about your artistic journey at home. Where do you find inspiration at home? Yeah, so usually at home, I do find a lot of inspiration in my local landscape, both in San Francisco and in the hills of California. Um, San Francisco is an absolutely beautiful city. It's beautiful in a different way from the cities of Europe. It doesn't have that old world uh, beauty to it. But one of the things I love about San Francisco is that um, it's not, it is a gridded American city, but the landscape is very evident in the city because you have these huge hills that are kind of rolling through the city. And then the buildings are kind of rolling on top of those hills. And so you can really create some beautiful cityscapes when you get different views from higher points in the city. So I really love to paint San Francisco. Um, and then I also like to paint the, the landscape nearby. We have a lot of beautiful open space preserves um, and hiking trails near us. I would say the landscape here, we have a lot more golden hills rather than the vibrant greens of Asturias. It's much drier here, kind of like Southern Spain. Um, but I, I love to paint that as well. And then also I like to paint, um, I'll paint still lifes and portraits too. And mostly just trying to capture light doing beautiful things mm. um, on everyday objects. Yeah, because that's not my next question. I've always wondered this. How do you find inspiration in the ordinary? Because artists are always painting fruit bowls, right? So <laughs> is, that, is that about finding interesting light? How do you find inspiration in the ordinary? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the key things about painting is finding inspiration in the ordinary because so much of life is can just be considered ordinary or that's how I felt about it before I was painting in this way. And now that, now that I'm, I do paint so much from life, I'm constantly on the lookout for when the ordinary things suddenly shift into the sublime. Yeah. And I feel like that usually happens. It, it is this magic of light. So I usually my process is I can get something very simple, like as you're saying, a bowl of fruit maybe, or even just one apple, one lemon, or a few slices of an orange. And I have some different lights set up in my studio, or sometimes I'll take advantage of the afternoon light coming through the window. And I just kind of play around with how the fruit is positioned. And I look at the shadows and I look at the highlights and I really try to think less about this is a fruit and think more about what are the colors and the shapes and mm. the patterns of light and dark that I'm observing and how do those make me feel? Because mm. different shapes can make you feel different emotions, same with different colors. Like a, a nice round lemon is going to have a different feel from some sharp slices of an orange. And so I just try to pay attention to those feelings and and also play around with lighting until, I don't know, something magical happens. Yeah. Just judging from the works on your website, there's a lot of magic happening. Is there another Camino on the horizon, Christina? Oh, yes. I would love to do another Camino in the future. Um, I'm not sure when I'll have time to do it next, but as soon as I finished the Camino with Amanda, I thought, 
you know, I definitely want to come back and do this again because I just think the Camino is, is so conducive to getting into that space of simplicity and inspiration and, um, yeah. And just kind of like replenishing your energy, replenishing how you feel. Um, so hopefully I can do more of the Camino in the future, whether that's doing the Camino in Spain or maybe doing some parts of the Camino in France. I'm not really sure yet, but it's definitely on my list. When at home right now, when do you most feel the, the energy of the Camino? Hmm. That's a good question. I think usually in the early morning when I'm painting, Mm -hmm. um, I can get back into that headspace of kind of peace and serenity. And especially I've found since, um, since getting back from the Camino, I've really tried to integrate walking more into my life. So in the past, when I would take the bus, if the walk was going to be 30 minutes, now I, I really try to walk whenever I can. And even though I'm walking in a city and it's very gray oftentimes, and I'm surrounded by concrete and cars and sounds, I still find that the rhythm of walking, especially if I pay attention to the sound of my steps on the pavement and the feeling of my body moving through space, I can get back into that feeling of being on the Camino. Are you a painter who works as a researcher or a researcher who paints? (laughs) Uh, Depends who's asking. (laughs) (laughs) But both are very important to me. And I... I, uh, painting is so essential to me. Um, but I think for me, uh, painting and research satisfy two different things. Research satisfies the ego side of me, the side that wants to be protected and safe and successful and painting satisfies my spirit. So painting satisfies this more emotional and intuitive aspect of me that cares a lot about beauty and, and just is curious about the world. So they're both, they're both very important parts to my being. Yeah. Well, I love San Francisco. I've only been there once and my friend Brian Danker took me to see the Golden Gate Bridge and it was just so beautiful. I can't wait to go back. How's this for a scenario? You walk the Camino again, do a fabulous and beautiful paintings and then hold an exhibition in San Francisco and I'll come to opening night. Oh, I would love that. That would be amazing. (laughs) There's already a synergy. I was talking to you before we started the interview when I logged onto your website. The first painting that came up was Tahoe. And the last time I was in the US, I was lucky enough to visit Lake Tahoe with Brian again. So our worlds are colliding here. I just love it. The paintings are absolutely beautiful. So congratulations. And I, I really wish you all the very best in your ongoing journey with the paint and art and life. But before we finish up, tell us a Camino story. Okay. Yeah. So I think I'll tell the story of one of the most touching moments for me on the trip. Um, this was when I I mentioned how it was snowing on the Camino. Um, and it started snowing when we were in the town of Teneo and we got up that morning, it started snowing early on the trail. We were thinking, okay, we should probably go get going pretty fast today because it's going to be really cold. We don't know if the snow is going to get that much worse. So we were hiking at a pretty fast pace along the trail. And then as the morning 
went on, the snow started to decrease. And finally, the sun just started peeking out from the sky. And right around this time, we reached a fork in the road. So we saw two uh, two shell signs pointing one way and the other. And one of the signs said Camino, and the other sign said Obona. And we were thinking, okay, well, it, the snow stops now, but maybe it'll start up again. Uh, we don't know what Obona is, so let's just continue on the Camino. Let's not do a detour. Um, let's try to get to where we're staying tonight. And so we took one of the forks and we kept walking. And it turned out we'd taken the wrong road, actually. <laughs> um, we'd misread the sign, and so we headed to Obona rather than continuing on the Camino. Um, but it turned out that Obona was the name of this church that was built, I think, in the year 800. So it was this huge church that was extremely old. The main part of the church had been built in the year 800, and then there were kind of side parts of the church that have been added on later in in later years. But still, I think the whole church, most of it was older than the 15th century, which which is ancient to me. Um, and, and so it was this big church complex that was just really, really beautiful. And most of the church was actually in ruins. So we could see the stonework of the church that had kind of crumbled away and it was exposing holes in these rooms that were getting filled with the sunlight and there were all these plants that had grown up and filled the rooms um and it was just so beautiful to see because you had the bright sunlight filtering into the rooms and it was reflecting on these vibrant green plants that cast this beautiful glow in the rooms of this church so we spent a while kind of exploring the ruins and we were just in awe. I mean, there was just something really ethereal about the whole space. And it was just us. There was nobody else um, at the ruins. So we had the whole space to ourselves, and it was so quiet and peaceful. And we were thinking, maybe we could stay here a bit, have lunch and do some painting, try to capture some of this light. But I think the church had other ideas for us because all of a sudden we were just finishing up exploring the rooms and then the sky darkened. And all of a sudden, it started snowing really hard again. So we realized our time was up and picked up our bags and headed back on the road. <laughs> How wonderful. What was the name of the town? I think the town was called Obona as well. I know that the church's name was Obona. Gosh, I've got to find Obona. Oh, that sounds absolutely beautiful. Look, we've been... It was stunning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I just know that emotion, that feeling in your in your soul that you get when you see beautiful things like that on the Camino. It's, it's not only a synergy in the fact that you are there looking for it yourself, but also that you've taken the time to go on that journey and, and expose yourself and allow yourself to experience those wonderful things. So it's, it's also rewarding in that sense, isn't it? Yes, definitely. We've been talking all about creativity, inspiration, beauty, and vision. So thank you, Christina, for taking the time to talk to us. It's been a delightful conversation, a wonderful insight into the heart and mind of an artist and a pilgrim. Good luck with your future endeavours on and off the canvas. Buen Camino. Thanks so much, Dan. You too. Buen Camino. My guest this week was Christina Kent. You can find Christina at christinakentart.com and there are some beautiful pictures of the Camino there for sale christinakentart.com Michael Altsula, the motivational speaker said the bad news is time flies the good news is you're the pilot 
I'm going to get the paints out of the cupboard. They've been sitting there for years. <laughs> Thanks so much for your company again this week. I just love having the opportunity and time to ease into your life once a week to bring you a little Camino energy. Thanks again to my Patreon sponsors, especially Steve, who signed up to sponsor me this week. If you'd like to sponsor me, there's a link in the show notes or visit patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Until next week, enjoy the passage of time. I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere.